Z Sports Primetime on a Tuesday. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the fine folks at the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go for your dream address without the stress. The Ashton team has the keys for you to succeed at GaryAshton.com. Of course, Two Rivers Ford, the best car buying experience I maintain in the country, but certainly in the state of Tennessee. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet is where you go for quality American-made Ford vehicles or online at tworiversford.com. So, Arch Manning committed to Texas last week, and we didn't really talk about it. It has a tremendous ripple effect across college football and potentially into the SEC. Now, he did not choose to go to Tennessee like his uncle Peyton. He did not choose to follow his family legacy from Grandpa Archie to his father Cooper to Eli Manning, another famous uncle, did not choose to go to Ole Miss. Instead, he selects Texas, which begins a much different conversation about where exactly that program is and whether Steve Sarkeesian, former Alabama offensive coordinator, former USC head coach, whether Sark is equipped to handle the pressure of this coming off a five-win season. Now, it's true that Arch won't be on campus until 2023, so something to keep in mind. But with uh, the um, intense amount of scrutiny that's already on Texas, in addition to what will be coming down and the family name, it is a recruitment unlike anything that we've seen in collegiate sports. So we're going to discuss this at length together. In fact, that's where we're going to start tonight with your Two Rivers Ford take. The question that I want to ask you guys is this in the comment section. Which college football head coach in 2022 is under the most pressure? Give me your response in the comment section on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. It can be the SEC. It can be uh, in the Big 12, where Texas currently resides. Big 10, Pac-12. It can be anywhere across the Power 5, legitimately, if we're going to have a conversation about football programs that matter at the highest level. Which college football head coach is under the most pressure? You guys give me your response, and we'll talk about it together. First, I want you to hear from Arch Manning's uncle, older uncle, Uncle Peyton, who at the Manning Passing Academy this week talked about the recruitment process for his nephew. You know, Eli and I just, like I said, we're his uncle, tried to be there as a resource. And uh, obviously our names get brought up a lot, you know, because we're his uncles. But, uh, uh, you know, really, really, you know, proud of him for the way he's handled the whole thing. I think it would have been a lot different for you, Peyton, if there would have been social media around. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt it's different. And it, it starts starts much earlier you know, than it did. But, uh, um, you know, to me, anybody that gets recruited, you know, deserves a chance to enjoy their, you know, high school experience, right? And you know, try to, you know, high school football was one of the great uh, times of my life. And in, in Canton, uh, this past August, uh, you know, I had Broncos teammates, I had Colts teammates, Tennessee teammates, I had Newman teammates. I had, you know, maybe 10, 10 guys that I played high school football with, and the relationships you make in high school just don't go away. So uh, uh, that's why I'm, I'm glad for his sake that, that he made this decision and. Uh, I um, I did have a conversation with him 
last week after he made his last visit just because he kind of asked about sort of when I made my decision. And I just remember as soon as I got back from my last visit, I, I, I basically announced where I was going two days later because I knew, you know, when you know, you know, and there's no point in dragging it out and, you know, creating some drama. And I'm not a big fan of the, the hat reveal, you know, the whole deal. So I know that's part of the show now, but I kind of liked how he did it once he knew. He, he, you know, sent the word out, and uh, now it's just on to being a senior in high school. So that's Uncle Peyton at the Manning Passing Academy talking about Arch Manning, his nephew's commitment to Texas. So it, it provides an interesting conversation, your two rivers for take, about which college football coach is under the most pressure. I'm going to make, even in 2022, even as I understand Arch is not going to be on campus if he stays committed to Texas, remember, it's only a verbal commitment. I'm going to make the case for Steve Sarkeesian here in just a second. We'll read some of your responses as well right after I tell you about Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford is where you go for award-winning customer service, for quality American-made Ford vehicles, for the kind of customization and specialization that they have become known for for nearly 40 years doing business in Middle Tennessee. And if a new vehicle is not necessarily in your budget outlook in 2022, Two Rivers Ford has one of the largest selections of certified Ford Blue Advantage pre-owned vehicles. Pre-owned vehicles from a dealership that you can trust. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So, looking at the pressure on college football coaches Right now, be curious to see who you guys are saying in the comment section. Uh, Bryce Erickson on Facebook Live maintains that it's Lane Kiffin or Dabo in 2022. Dabo's an interesting one, right? Like Lane, I don't, I don't know what the expectation for Lane is at Ole Miss. They've won double-digit games. They've had a highly touted NFL quarterback prospect play for their program. They are competing in the name, image, and likeness era, but like, what is the expectation? It's not an expectation for Ole Miss to win double-digit games every season, right? They play in the SEC West. Um, I think Lane can basically do as he wants there. Now, at a certain point, they're going to. That's a football. That's a football-driven program first and foremost. We, we're talking about Arch tonight. It's a proud program with a winning history and the ability to get. A lot of big name talent, you know, through one form of recruiting or another. Shout out to Hugh Freeze. But looking at looking at the situation for Ole Miss, I think that Lane Kiffin doesn't really have a clock that he's operating on. Dabo, Dabo's basically brought Clemson out of the depths. And while he does, I mean, we're talking about a down season for Clemson, and they still, producer Reed can fact check me on this, I believe Clemson still won double-digit games last year, and that's a down season for Clemson. Questions at quarterback, DJ Uyunglele is somebody who is going to be uh, heavily scrutinized by not just fans of that program, but from college media, college football media writ large. It's a pretty interesting pressure point, though, at Clemson, because obviously championships have become the expectation. Steven Snyder on YouTube says Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. I mean, he just got there, right? And I I mean, there's pressure at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's obviously 
a very uh, a, a massive fan base. It's nationwide, and they're only they're the only university that has a single uh, a singular television deal with a network like NBC to broadcast their games. Notre Dame is going to be under a microscope, but Marcus Freeman will have more than one season to kind of figure things out. Uh, for me, I think it's Steve Sarkeesian, and here's why, okay? Because you have the commitment of Arch Manning, not Texas is back, but Texas is building something. This is one of the most interesting recruitments of any high school prospect that there's ever been, just given the pedigree given the access to resources that in, that this individual had across his recruitment, unprecedented because of who his family has direct access to, and with a depth of quarterback knowledge, probably greater than any recruit that's come before him, right? From grandpa to uncles on down the line. He's been highly specialized. He comes from a place uh, where it's not a lot of fuss on the front end. They're just going to make the decision and move on. In the case of Arch Manning, so even as he won't be on campus, if he stays committed to Texas, until 2023, there is still a tremendous amount of pressure on Texas this season because Texas won five games last year. Texas has to build on the momentum of Arch Manning, and they have to do it on the field of play. Quinn Ewers, who is the uh, recruit who forewent his senior season of high school football, to take a massive NIL deal to go to Ohio State has already transferred and would technically be in his true freshman season if he hadn't already burned a year of eligibility. He's at Texas now as a Texas kid himself. He needs to play well. They need to look good with Quinn Ewers at quarterback. The best possible circumstance is for Texas to put together a season where it looks like they're competent, where they can sell it to recruits, where it looks like they're stable, and it looks like a system that's going to be able to maximize a quarterback. Then, when Arch Manning comes to campus, you bring in a situation where Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning can have a legitimate quarterback competition. You're not just throwing Arch Manning out there. It's not necessarily a situation where if you if you shelf a highly touted prospect at quarterback, he's immediately going to transfer. It's not outside the realm of possibility, because obviously he's going there to play. But you have to consider the idea that in the case of Arch, he has gone over this decision very carefully. He, he knew what the decision or what the situation at quarterback was for Texas heading into the 2023 season. And if it's a competition rather than Arch just being like, okay, uh, Quinn Ewers was a disaster. Texas fell off the rails in 2022. All right, kid, get out there and let's see what you can do. That's not necessarily going to be the most beneficial thing for him. And his family knows that, I think, at, at the uh, in the most for the most part. Um, looking at uh, looking at pressure as far as college coaches are concerned, I would say that Billy Napier, having not even coached a game, is already under a bit of fire at the University of Florida as their first year head coach, already having to pen an open letter to the fan base about. NIL recruiting discussions that uh, apparently called incorrectly, according to the reporting, the latest reporting, called the Gator Collective, the NIL Collective, one of the biggest disasters that the NIL lawyer, the representation of some highly touted prospects, uh, many highly touted prospects, including Tennessee's Nico Iamaliava, um, called them a disaster. And now Florida is out there disputing it, and Billy Napier is having to 
you know, uh, put out fires where fires didn't previously exist. I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on, on really, really, I think that would be the place where I focus the most attention on. I think that, I think that you look across the SEC like Eli Drinkwitz needs to do something probably at Mizzou to keep his job, but nobody's really talking about Eli Drinkwitz, right? Link, Lincoln Riley in his first year at USC, there's going to be huge expectations for him, especially with the NIL deals that they've used to put together that roster. But still, uh, things that we don't necessarily have the answers to just yet, but uh, interesting to monitor as we move forward. Mark Jones says Jimbo and Saban are under the most pressure. Jimbo and Saban are going to be. Jeff's just fine. Jeff Rubel says Jim Harbaugh, Buck. Well, I, I mean, he beat Ohio State, right, Jeff? Like, as an Ohio State fan, that may, that's that's not a big deal to you, right? Because you beat Michigan's ass every other year, and they finally got one under Harbaugh over you. But, like, <laughs> that, I, I feel for Harbaugh, they made the playoff. Obviously, they didn't win. He he basically got to flirt with the Minnesota Vikings all offseason. I feel like people completely forgot about that. He basically flirted with the uh, with the Minnesota Vikings about their head coaching job um, all offseason. And then at the last minute decided, like right around National Signing Day, right? Decided, yeah, you know, I'll go back to Michigan. That's fine. He's already beaten Michigan. He doesn't, you know, there's only so many realistic accomplishments for Michigan right now. Obviously, the expectation is to win championships. That hasn't been realistic for Michigan in the last couple of years until this last year, right? Where they're in the playoff, even if, you know, they're outmatched. To a certain degree, uh, he tried to leave, and they still were thirsty to bring him back. Right, so if there was any pressure on Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh wouldn't treat Michigan like a side chick. You know what I'm saying? Which is his alma mater, which is the place that holds him in the highest regard. I'd say among the least amount of pressure on people is Jim Harbaugh because he was just like, yeah, you know, I'll come back if I want to come back. Let me see if I get the Minnesota job first, and then we can talk about me returning to Michigan. It's just a, it's a funny situation. To watch play out. All right, let's uh, let's do a quick update on the Deshaun Watson situation because that hearing for punishment in the NFL started today. Um, the question that I want to ask you in the comment section on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch: What do you think is the most likely punishment from the NFL, not legally, but from the NFL for Deshaun Watson? Let me know in the comment section on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We will talk about this together. You'll hear from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network on this as well. What do you think is the most likely NFL punishment for Deshaun Watson in 2022 as his hearings began today? We'll talk about that together right after I tell you about the people who will make sure that you are in the best position to succeed. That's the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. Now, Gary Ashton is the don't sell without the intel guy. You know this if you are somebody who lives in Middle Tennessee, who's driven anywhere around Middle Tennessee, because you see the billboards all over the place. If you're looking for a great career, it's also an incredible place to work. I know three reasons why you should consider joining the Ashton team as soon as possible. One, success. The Ashton team was just named the top REMAX team, not just in Nashville, but in the entire world. Two, trust. Nashvillians, like me, trust Gary's team because they live here, they love it here, and they offer careers with unlimited potential. 
and three. I had to count how many fingers I had up in my head. Three, Community, the Gary Ashton team sponsors the Predators and the A to Z Sports Primetime Show and the Buck Rising Show on 104.5 The Zone, and they were just recognized as the number one donation source for the Children's Miracle Network. Bottom line, the Gary Ashton team added 65 new agents last year, and they want you to join the team this year. So don't sell without the intel, and if you're looking for a great career, the Gary Ashton team wants you in 2022. Call the Ashton Real Estate Group with Remax Advantage today at 615-301-1650 or visit GaryAshton.com. So, what do you think is the most likely punishment for Deshaun Watson, given that his hearing with the NFL began today? Ian Rappaport was on the NFL Network providing some details on where this process stood and where the NFL is starting, given that it's not Roger Goodell, who's judge, jury, and executioner in this particular case. Well, the first day of the Deshaun Watson disciplinary hearing in front of Sue Robinson, who's been jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA, has concluded. The expectation is Deshaun Watson, all the lawyers and investigators for both sides, will be back at it again tomorrow, potentially Thursday as well. This all happening in her home state of Delaware and expected, as I said, to continue for several days. As far as what the NFL is alleging, they're presenting the cases of five women who alleged Deshaun Watson uh, violated the NFL's personal conduct policy. Of course, there have been more than 20 lawsuits again against Watson, but what the NFL is presenting is the case of five women who believe that Watson uh, committed sexual misconduct against them. The NFL is pushing for an indefinite suspension at least a year with the opportunity to reapply after a year. The NFLPA and Watson's own lawyers are pushing for a, a sentence or a disciplinary matter much, much shorter. Uh, as far as where this all stands now, Here's where it goes. Barring some sort of settlement, which would be uh, unforeseen and a big surprise at this point, the hearing will conclude. Then there'll be briefs filed by both sides over the course of the next several days. So if this goes to completion, expect it to take at least a couple weeks uh, for Deshaun Watson, all of the NFL, to hear how long he will be suspended. So that's Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network detailing the latest in the Deshaun Watson situation, a circumstance where uh, for Watson, they are pushing for an indefinite suspension with a minimum of one year. And in his particular circumstance, uh, it does not look like the NFL is going to be willing to budge on that. Now, they may be flexible given the fact that 20 of the 24 civil suits against him did settle, and the NFL is more concerned with optics than they are with actual justice for the victims involved. The NFL's job is to figure out, okay, what's the problem? How do we fix it for our league, for the optics of the league, and how do we get the player who throws more touchdowns on the field as soon as humanly possible? What are the measures that have to be taken? This allows them an indefinite suspension with a minimum of a year to continue to be able to adapt this suspension if as has been the case in the last two months, new information comes out on Deshaun Watson. Again, this has nothing to do with the legal process. And by the way, Rap Sheet said a couple of weeks before we have knowledge of how long the suspension will be. It's also important to note that he may delay the suspension by doing what both Tom Brady and Ezekiel Elliott did when the league suspended them for various infractions according to the personal conduct policy. 
Tom Brady ended up having to serve his four-game suspension, even if it came, I mean, I think almost a full year after the suspension was handed down. Zeke Elliott had to serve his six-game suspension, even though he fought it in federal court. It's likely if the league suspends Deshaun Watson for a year minimum and then indefinitely as a part of the package deal, he'll probably take the league to federal court. But there's never been a circumstance in which a player has been handed a suspension like this that they haven't had to serve. Zeke Elliott did win an appeal in federal court, but ended up ended up serving the suspension anyway, which is a pretty curious case to go back and look at. We did this today with our buddy Dan Lust, the sports attorney on the radio show. If you uh, Dan's on, I mean, almost weekly at this point, given everybody who, in football who's getting sued or trying to sue somebody at any given point. So you can always check out Dan on the podcast, uh, the Buck Rising Show, in the in your favorite podcast app. How long do you think he'll be suspended? Jeff Sawyer thinks the whole season. Stephen King says 16 games. That way, if the Browns make the playoffs, he can play. Uh, it's all about that money. Well, you mean 17 games. But yes, I understand your point there. Uh, a year suspended in massage card revoked. I would say that he's going to be, I would say that he's going to sit a year, um, a year minimum. And then as we don't have any idea of how much more information will come out in the coming weeks, months, potentially hell, even a year as he sits on the shelf again. But I think for the purposes, I think for the purposes of the NFL, I think they're going to start with, start with the year and that's going to be the baseline. Um, they, there's no circumstance in which he doesn't end up avoiding a suspension here. So let's wrap things up with a gone viral video and let's, uh, you know, let's laugh a little bit as we talk about serious subject matter. The question that I'm going to ask you, and this comes from the NFL on ESPN, but I'm going to ask you the question of what's your favorite drunk snack? If you're somebody who likes to munch when you get drunk, I, uh, and maybe some, some of you do not drink, that's fine. But I think for any of us, uh, and depending on what state you live in and what's legal in your state versus what's illegal in the state of Tennessee, perhaps you have a snack food that is your go-to snack of choice. But if you are intoxicated, what is your favorite snack in any circumstance? I'm going to play a clip for NF from NFL on ESPN um, here in just a second that I think is going to speak to one NFL star player, in fact, a Nashville native NFL star player who just recently came out of surgery and had some particular cravings. For me, I'll tell you on the front end, uh, my favorite drunk snack is always pizza. Pizza is my, I mean, deepest and darkest crutch. It is the thing that is most readily accessible at any given point, at any point in the evening. Um, I think that, uh, I think that uh, Puka says you munch when high, not intoxicated. No, I'm a drunk eater. I'm for sure. Like if I, if I have, if I have, and I don't typically drink that much, to be honest with you. But if I, you know, if I've been drinking during the day, like I want to come home and I want to get something terrible that's going to soak up the booze in my stomach, right? Um, and if you're in California or, you know, Seattle or uh, where Denver or any other, you know, any other, I mean, those are cities, obviously, California state, the other two cities. But like if you're in a state that has legalized marijuana, then perhaps you're snacking for different reasons. But in the case of Jalen Ramsey, he had surgery. And apparently, whatever they had him on, uh, I'm sure not booze and probably not medical marijuana, although California. Jalen surgery, or Jalen Ramsey, he wanted a, a post-surgery snack. All right, let's discharge, baby. No, you can't discharge. <laughs> these, these, ain't ain't no, a, that's not, that's... these ain't no Ritz crackers. Oh, I 
There's some Ritz crackers in there. They're graham crackers and Ritz crackers. <laughs> now i don't know how jalen ramsey will feel about that video being out after the fact in the same way that aj brown went on instagram live after two knee scopes drinking i believe a coke was what the nurse handed him and was talking about he's going to be the best receiver of all time being a little bit doped up um, for Mark Jones, he says pizza cook or Pete's cook. I don't know what that is. If that's short for something or Taco Bell. Um, oh, cookout or Taco Bell. Yeah. Ta cookout is dangerous for sure. Steven Snyder is a Sonic fan. Cashews for Omar. That's a very healthy snack. Good on you, Omar. Pistachios. Also a snack that I love. Uh, pistachios and pineapple. Those are two of my favorite snacks on a regular basis. Um, if you are an ever in Austin, Texas, try Torchy's Tacos, something that Omar also recommends. We're about to get an invader. If you're watching in the, uh, in the bottom, what is that? The, your, your, uh, your right, my left. Um, we've had a cat encroach upon the set here in, uh, here on the primetime show currently hovering on the desk. I'm waiting for her to, uh, pop onto the camera cause she's, uh, she's clearly, Craving the spotlight as she tries to disrupt the show. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for us this evening. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on A to Z Sports Primetime. Radio show tomorrow, Will Compton of Bussin' with the Boys is going to uh, zoom in from Barstool headquarters. He's apparently doing a case race at Barstool's headquarters in New York. So I don't know if Will's going to be drunk. I don't know if Will's going to be sober. But Will's going to be on the radio show at any case tomorrow uh, from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. Make sure if you live stream the primetime show, as all of you do, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, or on Twitch, you can also live stream the radio show in that same spot. Talk to you guys tomorrow at 8 p.m. or on the radio show at 10.